Well, hey there, my name is Trent Dry, and I'm the senior pastor here at China Grove First Baptist Church. I'm so excited uh, that you have chosen to join us for our midweek Bible study here on Wednesday night. Uh, we're very excited about what God is uh, doing uh, in our community and in and through our church. Uh, before we get started with the study, there's a few announcements I would like to just uh, share with you because we do have some uh, ministry opportunities uh, that's going to be uh, coming up this week and some wonderful and exciting worship opportunities coming up. Uh, this coming Saturday, uh, September the 12th, uh, the men on mission are going to be gathering and doing some work at uh, Pastor Steve's, the former pastor of China Grove First Baptist Church, his house. Uh, the men will meet at Brian's Grill for breakfast at 8.30 a.m., uh, but we also want to encourage and challenge our students, our youth, to come and, and be a part of the fellowship and be a part of the work that we will be doing this coming Saturday. Uh, the youth will be meeting at the church at 845, uh, Saturday, September the 12th. And uh, it's just a great opportunity uh, to come and, and work together and be the hands and feet of Jesus as we serve uh, the former pastor here. Uh, also, I'm looking forward to getting to know the men better and getting to know some of the youth. Uh, so again, our men will meet at Brian's Grill uh, in town at 8.30 on Saturday morning, and our students will meet here at the church at 8.45, and we'll be going over uh, to Pastor Steve's uh, following those two things. Also, this coming Sunday, we're going to continue our sermon series, Rebuild and Restore, a look at Nehemiah. Uh, it's a wonderful book. We had a great service this past Sunday, and we're looking forward to seeing what God says to us uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, let me invite you to join us for outdoor worship at 10 a.m. Uh, you're welcome to sit in your car and turn on the radio, uh, or you're welcome to bring a chair and just kind of sit out in the uh, park area under the shade trees. But again, our worship service will be at 10 a.m. this coming Sunday morning. Following our service, uh, the men on mission uh, will be cooking a luncheon for us. Uh, the proceeds for this lunch will go to purchase Bibles for the Tanzania pastors and the ministry that is taking place in Tanzania. To ensure everyone's safety, uh, the men will be putting the food in a carryout container, and they will be handing out bottles of water. Uh, you're welcome to stay picnic and fellowship and just enjoy each other's company, or you can take the food home and enjoy lunch there as well. Uh, but just again, this is a fundraiser that will be raising money for Bibles, to purchase Bibles for the Tanzania ministry. We also want you to go ahead and mark your calendars for October the 11th. Uh, that's the second Sunday in October, and we will have a homecoming service. Uh, and I am really excited about this day. I'm excited uh, uh, for the opportunity to meet new people. I'm excited about the opportunity that we have to invite those who have not attended worship in a while to come home and celebrate homecoming with us on October the 11th. We will be outside at 10 a.m. and just continue with what we have been doing on Sunday mornings. Uh, and we will have a meal after the service, much like this coming Sunday. The men on mission will be cooking, uh, boxing up the meals, and we will just have a wonderful time of fellowship on October the 11th. And so be in prayer for those services. Uh, be in prayer for people who you can invite to join us for 
worship on October the 11th as we celebrate homecoming at China Grove First Baptist Church. Uh, and the last thing I would just say this, uh, before we get started is just continue to pray for the members of the church. Uh, there are members who have been to the doctor and members who have had surgeries and members who have been to the hospital. And we have members who have family members who have been to the hospital. So just be in prayer for all uh, of the church family here uh, that the Lord would heal and that the Lord would work in mighty ways. Uh, each Sunday and each Wednesday, I'm going to remind us of a very important thing. I'm going to remind us of who we are. Uh, you know, my mind is not as good as it used to be, and I know that I need to remember, and the more I repeat things and the more I say things, the better I am at remembering them. And so what I want to read to you now is Matthew 28, starting in verse 19, where Jesus says these words, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. China Grove First Baptist Church, we are disciples for, of Jesus who are going to be making disciples for Jesus. We are disciples who are making disciples. And on Sundays, we're looking at a series on how we can make disciples as we rebuild and restore. But here on the next, the next four weeks on Wednesday nights, I want to dig into what it means for us to be disciples. What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And we'll answer the question tonight is, what is a disciple? Well, very simply put, a disciple is a learner. A disciple is a student. A disciple is someone who follows the teachings and the example of a mentor or a teacher. In Jesus' day, becoming a disciple was uh, kind of a three-stage process. Uh, Robbie Gallaty, uh, in his book, Rediscovering Discipleship, kind of explains it to us. Uh, at age five, boys and girls would enter what is called the house of the book. Uh, here, they would learn how to read. They would learn how to write. Uh, and it was all using the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. After that, students would graduate to the House of Learning, where they would study the rest of the books of the Old Testament and continue to learn uh, the very fundamentals, the very basics of life and the basics of faith. After this was the third stage, and only the brightest students would actually graduate to this third level of learning. Uh, the vast majority of people who did not make the cut to this stage would just go back to work with their families, whether it was fishermen or carpenters, uh, blacksmiths. Uh, they would just go back and do the family business. But the brightest students would enter into a graduate-level education. This usually happened around the age of 14 and 15, and they were given a series of tests by a rabbi. Uh, they would be tested on the Torah. They would be tested on the traditions of the day, the oral law, and the customs. If the rabbi thought the student could make the cut, then they would invite them to follow him. It was a very rigorous process, a very competitive process, a very intense and stressful test that would take place. For the students who passed, they would remain a disciple of that rabbi until they were 30. 
And at that time, they would become a mentor and a rabbi, and they would invite others to come and follow them. They would, they would, but during this discipling period, this 15 years or so, they would begin to imitate their master. They would begin to, to do what he said and do what he did. It was their goal to follow the example of the master teacher. Now, when we understand this process of discipleship, it really should bring Jesus' ministry to us in a very impactful way. You see, for the normal rabbi, they would just sit, and students would line up for their test. They would go to the rabbi. But when we open the pages of the New Testament, we see Jesus walking along uh, the seashore, asking people to follow him. Jesus went to the disciples and called them to be his students. So much different, so impactful that uh, we need to just embrace that and we need to celebrate that Jesus came to us. Jesus calls us to be his disciples. And what's crazy about it is the early disciples, they didn't have to pass the test. They didn't have to make a hundred. They didn't have to, you know, get the grades. In fact, a lot of them were already rejected by rabbis of the day. They were already fishermen. They were already in the family business. And Jesus says, come and follow me. Come be my disciples. And for those 12 men, they agreed to follow Jesus and they began to learn from him, listen to him. They tried to imitate him because he was their Lord and master. So over the next several weeks, I want us to look at what following Jesus looks like. How can we be disciples of Jesus today? How can we grow in our relationship with Jesus? How can we know God in a more meaningful, deeper way? How can we learn to imitate the Father in this life? 2 Timothy 2.15 says this as we start. It says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Paul's talking about the Bible. And then in 2 Timothy three fourteen and 17, Paul continues, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Uh, so verse 15 in 2 Timothy, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with, with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. You see, To be a disciple means we have to learn and we have to listen to the teacher. Uh, And as I said during my trial sermon, the way that we do that is we spend time reading God's word. It's the first step in becoming a disciple is committing your life to a life of studying the Bible. You know, a ship that's out at sea 
they can start going in the right direction. They can leave the port and they can be pointed to their destination. But you know, the sea can be a rocky, um, tossing place. Boats can be pushed this way and they can be pushed that way as they travel. And if the captain doesn't check the compass, if the captain doesn't keep a close watch on the GPS, he can find himself going the wrong direction. You know, life is a lot like that. Think of the world we live in today here in 2020. It can toss us around. It can push us this way. It can push us that way. And if we don't keep an eye on our GPS, if we don't continually check the compass, which is God's word, then we can find ourselves going in the wrong direction. See, God has revealed himself to us in the pages of Scripture. It's a special revelation for us. And the only way that we can know these things about God is because God revealed it to us by inspiring men to write these powerful words. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to be studying God's game plan for our life. God's GPS. Through it, we learn who God is, we learn what God has done, and we learn who we are and who we are called to be. So today, I want to just share one thing with you about how you can study and read the Bible. And it starts with a daily quiet time where you set aside time every day to spend with God. You, you, you schedule this time, write it down on your calendar, just to say that, you know, life is busy. I've got a lot to do today, or I've had a lot to do today, and I'm really tired, but this is the time where I'm going to sit down, take a deep breath, and commune with the Father. It can be five minutes, it can be ten minutes, it can be thirty minutes, it can be an hour, but it's just your quiet time between you and God. And it should be a daily, consistent habit. You know, it takes about 21 days to develop a habit. It takes about three days to break a habit. And so that's why when you're going to read God's Word, consistency is important. To find the same time every day when you can sit down and read the Bible. You know, a lot of people will tell you the best time is in the morning. Wake up 30 minutes to an hour early and, and, do, and do your quiet time in the morning. And yeah, the Bible is full of examples, and even Jesus spent quiet times in the morning with the Father. But I've found that it's not the time that matters. It's the consistency of doing the Bible reading that's important. If you're more focused at the end of the day, then schedule 30 minutes or so in the evening to sit down and have your quiet time. If you're more focused at lunch or if that's a good time, then do it at lunch. The important thing for you and I is that we find that daily time that works for us where we can, where we can just sit down and be taught by the scriptures. Scriptures. So we want to be consistent, but then we want to have a quiet place. We want to be free from distractions. Um, a, a quiet place is a very important thing. You know, I have two children, and uh, it's not always quiet in my house. A five-year-old boy is very rarely quiet. And so we have to find the time that's quiet and the place that's quiet. And so for me, I do my quiet time in the dining room. Uh, but I do it pretty early while the kids are still asleep. 
Uh, I've gone into our walk-in closet before and just shut the door so I can have some peace and quiet to pray and read God's Word. Uh, but I don't want to be distracted. Uh, I don't want to have the the world coming in and distracting me. And I know that for our young people and even some of our older people that we like to use our phones. Uh, you know, there's a Holy Bible app, and it's a good app. I use it all the time. Uh, but my suggestion is that when we sit down to read the Bible, especially if we're doing it on our phones, turn our phones on airplane mode and do not disturb. Because we need to have a quiet, distraction-free place where we can just soak in the scriptures. And so be consistent with your time every day. Have a quiet place and then have a plan. You know, I heard this when I was an undergraduate. You know, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. You know, I got frustrated early on in my walk with Christ because I would sit down and just would take my Bible and just open it up and just randomly read whatever passage. And I'm not saying that that's bad, but sometimes it can be discouraging. Sometimes it's not the best best method of Bible reading. Uh, there and, and listen, there are lots of plans. Uh, you know, we're coming close to January, and we're getting to that point where we're going to start seeing read the Bible in a year, read the Bible in a year. And there's so many different options available that even picking a plan can be overwhelming. Uh, but the important thing is is to find a plan that fits you. Uh, find a plan that you're comfortable with, and then stick to that plan. Uh, I have read through the Bible in a year, uh, but I've also read the new. I have also taken a year to dig deeper into the New Testament, where I've read the New Testament in a year. Uh, I've used the U version Bible app on my phone to pick from the thousands of plans that they have, and it just gives me a direction. It's every day I know where I'm going to be at in the Bible. Other times I've taken books of the Bible and just said, I'm going to spend the next several months, however long it takes, working through 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy or working through the book of Nehemiah. See, we're studying Nehemiah on Sunday mornings. So it would be a great time to sit down. We're going to read just a few verses every day from the book of Nehemiah. And so we want to be consistent. We want to have a good, quiet place to read. We want to have a plan. But the fourth thing that I have found to be the most helpful for my walk with Christ and my discipling process is journaling. It's to write things down in a journal. It doesn't have to be fancy. It can be just a spiral notebook. It can be a sheet of paper. It can be on a computer. It doesn't matter what tool you use to journal, but there is a journaling method that I discovered a few years ago that has been so helpful for my Bible reading, and it will be helpful to you as well. It's called the HEAR method, H-E-A-R. So the first thing we do is we sit down and we read the passage of Scripture. Maybe it's a chapter, maybe it's two chapters, maybe it's five or six verses, but we just read God's Word. And through following the plan that we have picked, but then we highlight, this is where the H is in here, we highlight the verse that stands out to us that day. So we highlight what God is speaking to us in that passage. We can take a highlighter and just highlight it. And that's going to be the verse or two verses that we focus on. And then the E is we're going to try to explain it. Uh, now, next week we'll go into a process of you know how to explain the Bible as we kind of learn how to study the Bible. Uh, but just, just on the bare minimum is we just highlight the verse and then we explain it. What does it mean? What does this passage mean? What did it mean in the context that it was written? What does it mean for us today? 
And then after we highlight and after we explain, we apply. We want to write down how the Holy Spirit has applied this passage to our life. Basically, we're answering the question, what do I do? This is what I've learned today. Now, what do I do? And that is the application. And then the R in here is respond. We're going to respond. Uh, and this is where when I journal, I just write a little prayer. I write the prayer out. And God, this is you know, an example of one of my prayers is, God, you have taught me this today. I'm going to apply it to my life. Give me the courage, boldness, and strength to do so. And so we highlight the passage, we explain it, we apply it to our lives, and then we pray. And really prayer, and we'll dig into prayer in a couple of weeks, uh, prayer is the fifth thing that I have. You know, be consistent, have a quiet place, have a plan, journal, and then we want to pray. Now, I put prayer as number five, but really it's what we do first and it's what we do last. Before we open the scriptures, we need to pray that the Holy Spirit would give us uh, discernment in how to interpret it. And then as we leave our time, we pray that God would help us to live what we have learned. And I'm not going to dig too deep into prayer today because, again, that will be a study of itself in a couple of weeks. And so as we begin this journey together of being disciples who make disciples, and as we learn how to be disciples, let me challenge you between now and Sunday and between now and next Wednesday Commit to a daily quiet time where you are reading God's Word. And I know what the problem a lot of people have is, I just don't understand it. I've tried to read it. I don't know what it means. Listen, you can understand the Bible. God has given us the tools, and through the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can know what God meant when he inspired the authors to write these words. But we'll learn more about that next week. I hope you all have a blessed evening. See you Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for worship. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, uh, help us to be disciples who make disciples. Help us to commit to a life of learning and reading the scriptures. Help us to understand your word. Motivate us to know you better and to grow in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.